friends, we are back with another very special stay-at-home self-quarantine episode of The Brandocast. And you know, in the last 12 months, I've had a lot of goddamn heavy hitters on the show. We've had Black Francis from the Pixies. We've had Catherine Hahn from WandaVision. We've had Keith Morris from the Circle Jerks, the great Michael DeBar, Jamie Denbo, Jillian Vigman, Dana Gould, Jimmy Pardo twice. Holy Christ. None of those people, none, 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 none of those people had a listenership like my first guest had one year ago. Still atop the leaderboard in terms of the most listened to Brando cast yet. Can she beat it today? Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the legendary Paget Brewster. You are killing me. Now I have to prove I've still got it after a year. You're number one. Number one with a bullet. Yes. You you just sold me. I now have to listen to every podcast you've done. I am honestly, I am new to listening to podcasts. Oh, do you have do you have a favorite that you're listening to right now? Well, I love Stay F Homekins with Paul F. Tompkins and Janie Haddad Tompkins. And I um just listened to Oh, no, you can't. See, now I can't. Now I'm. I, I, you told me we're going to do this and I'm going to have a drink. And now I've had a drink and I can't. I'm I'm lost. Oh, yeah. Well, by the what way, yes. I've listened to lately. I listened to Doug Benson's Doug Loves Movies and I did one the other day and I lost that. Comp- there's a competition element involved and I lost it. So I'm not not now. I'm afraid I'm going to I'm going to lose my listenership. After a year of, of you're saying this, everyone listened to it, but Jimmy Pardo is a heavy hitter. Catherine Hahn, Dana Gould, Chase Louise Hoppers. You've had You're a bunch number of great one. On. It's measurable. It is oh, measurable. You can count the number of people and you are still atop the leaderboard. That's Despite insane. all those people, your fans came to the show, which I'm so grateful for. Uh, Pardo yeah. was second. I thought that the WandaVision nerds would push Catherine Hahn over the top, but, you know, I think they were mad that I got to talk to their hero. So who the fuck knows? Yeah. By the way, Paget did, Paget did throw something out. We are having cocktails. This is for the first time ever on the Brando cast. Uh, I, I am enjoying a, a vodka soda with a little bit of lemonade. What are you having? Um, I'm having what I always have, which is... Um, Mom wine, uh, white wine, a, a a lovely what is this? A uh, uh, Kendall Jackson Sauvignon Blanc, and I drink it with ice so I won't get too boozled. And I where, think I'm hydrating. <laughs> drinking. Where is where the fuck is Kendall Jackson? Are they Napa Sonoma? Oh, you know Are what? They- uh, uh, Jackson Estate Vineyard Stewardship, California. This is a 2019. Sauvignon yes. Blanc. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see exactly where they are. Santa Rosa, California, my friends. Oh. I American. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So that is uh, that is Sonoma County. So yep. you know, so uh, you know, unsponsored promotion for Kendall Jackson wines because you deserve the best. <laughs> it's a great Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> is that is that? Are you a Sauv a Sauvy mm-hmm. B person? Is that what you are? I am. I am. Yeah. And and I used to drink red wine, but the first time I did drunk history, I had to do two stories and this is nine years ago. And I drank red wine and I have not had, I have not had red wine since because that was just too long. When we did that, when we did the drunk narrators in the beginning of drunk history, you started telling your story at noon and you had to be drunk by noon. And we finished at 4 a.m. Oh, Christ. So I was sick for days. Oh, Christ. And, it's the la- and I don't drink red wine anymore. So I-, I moved on to white wine, which I used to I used to hate. And now, But now, you know, you, uh, first of all, it's a screw top. <laughs> so, and it's cold. So you, you unscrew the top, and then you can keep it in the fridge until you're ready to drink it again. I mean, it, you know, there's no waste. There's no aerating filters. I feel like Kendall Jackson is the kind of wine you can take camping if you're a camping person. Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> Kendall Jackson is a beautiful one. You know what you do? You tie a little <laughs> rope around the neck and you put it in the crick to stay cold. You know what? That is such a pro move. That's why, yeah. you know, that's why Paget Brewster is number one. Number one with a <laughs> bullet. <laughs> How are you? How you look fantastic. Oh no, that that is that is that is an illusion. I You're I not am, allowed to I disagree am... with me. <laughs> if I say you look great, 
Well, thank what you. I-, I have, there's a pandemic 15. I think I'm at the pandemic 21 or 22. So. No, you're not. No, mm. you're not. Uh, yeah, I'm at I a swear full, to God. I'm at a, I'm at a Pando seven. <laughs> I'm seven pounds over. <laughs> and I wish I cared. I, you know what? I, I, I do not make my living uh, looking hot or looking attractive as, as many people do in the city of Los Angeles. However, it's illegal to be a little bit overweight in Beechwood Canyon. And as I walk around oh. the, the canyon with my dog now, uh, I truly am. I apologize to all the young people that I've been scaring because they're like, who is this new hobo in the canyon? So, you know, holy Christ. But you look incredible. You got the grooviest glasses going on, which is fantastic. Oh, really? yeah, they're awesome. Right. They are the, I, got, I got these specifically for Zoom and actually w- will not spend the money uh, I need glasses that are like the reader on the bottom and mm-hmm. the clear on top so that I can read recipes and watch TV, but <laughs> I won't spend the money. The, I went to the eye doctor just to get zoom glasses and it's, just, it, it's expensive because it's the whole thing is a prescription yeah. and it has to have anti glare and anti blue and all this stuff. And glasses are really expensive. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why I go to Dr. Brando, the doctor that lives in my head, and he just sends me to the 99-cent store and says, uh, oh. you know, try on a, a 1.75 and see how that feels. Don't do it at the 99-cent do store. At least go to Rite Aid. Treat yourself right. They're 20 bucks. That's what all my other glasses are. They're just 20 bucks from Rite Aid. I've done reader.com in the past, which, which actually but is, is it a any delight. Good? I got three pair of glasses from Amazon. Uh-huh. That were, you know, 2.50 mm-hmm. and they are warped. I mean, they, I feel like I'm, they may, I may have had a stroke trying to wear those glass. Oh, look, you have a pint glass of vodka and lemonade. I love it. An alcoholic until further notice. Ah, oh, you sweet thing. I've got a bucket with a bottle of wine in it right next to me. <laughs> hey, speaking of promotion. You know that I do uh, co-host a show on Sirius XM Volume Channel 106 with the uh, the mighty Amit Zappa. Yes, I do. And I do believe that we are in the process of trying to figure out if there is going to be a time, because scheduling guests can be tricky, tricky business, um, that we are going to talk to you and Tony Hale. I would love that. Will you tell me right now while I got you what is going on? I believe it is a question of Tony Hale's availability. And I went on his Twitter to see what he was up to. And I, I think he's in, he is the star of like three or four different animated series that's my impression. He is also my, my co-star on bird girl, which just started on adult swim at midnight on Sundays. But I think he's in a, like a press tornado. So I don't know. He works harder than I do. I just have Bird Girl to promote. I love it. Well, that's what I want you to do now. That's what I want you to do now. Promote Bird Girl. Okay, watch Bird Girl (laughs) on Adult Swim. (laughs) Midnight's. It's a great new show. It's from the same creators as Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. Mm -hmm. Uh, Still influenced by the... uh, Hanna-Barbera world and space ghosts and the whole thing. I am the only character from Harvey Birdman, attorney at law that is currently in the new iteration, the new show bird girl, which is actually 22 or 25 minutes long. It's not 11 minutes. It's not eight minutes. Wow. Um, I'm very good. I'm not going to lie. I've seen two and I'm, I'm really good. I'm really good at bird girl. And those guys are great at writing it. And I love the animation and it's just, it's irreverent. It takes some chances in a world that appears to be afraid of comedy to some degree lately um, and may have good reason to. But it's a very it's an escapist, goofy, absurd, uh, slightly dirty animated show that I think not almost the whole family can enjoy. OK, that is fucking fantastic. Thank you. Congratulations. Do would your IMDb page tell Brendan Smith that you've done tons of voiceover work? Uh, well, I mean, not like you know Tom Kenny. I'm not SpongeBob. <laughs> um, he 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 won the Emmy. I did yeah. not. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on uh, Ducktales and American Dad and Family Guy and Alpha Omegas and Girl Magical Girls Friendship Squad and there are a couple others that haven't come out yet because it takes. 
it takes nine to 12 months to animate a show. So oh, I've yeah. recorded voices for other uh, animated series that haven't aired yet. I started on Godzilla, I think, in 1998. And I've done a bunch of um, Justice League movies. I've been uh, uh, Lana Lang. I've been... Uh, uh, Lo- What's the other LL? Fame- Lois the big, Lane. The big L. Thank you. I was mm-hmm. Lois Lane. I've been Poison Ivy. I've been- so I've done, I've done voice work. And, th- and thank you fucking good because it's all i've done during the pandemic we built a a a a vocal booth my husband and i and i record cartoons at the house and that's all i've done i saw you right before the right before the pandemic yep i did arden marine's podcast will you accept this rose and i did the last episode of bird girl that i recorded in person march you know the very beginning of march and then that was it that was it. The last person I hugged was Amit. Well, the crazy thing is, I remember talking to you in Arden Marine's driveway, and you <laughs> were like, this is going to go on for a long time. I said July. Yeah. I said July 2021. Yeah. Maybe I'll see you. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I, I kind of, I mean, I'm a, I'm a slightly conspiracy theorist, slightly uh, fear-based um, uh, history must teach us. I knew something was coming. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still waiting for the earthquake, the tsunami, the EMP that knocks out all social media and our <laughs> phones. I, I, but I am always expecting disaster. That might just be growing up in Massachusetts. Expect disaster. Um, I, but I insisted when I was on criminal minds, the last time we shot criminal minds was like three years ago. And I insist, I fought the other cast members who wanted to buy cool gifts. And I was like, no, it's earthquake supply backpacks. We're getting everyone on this goddamn crew earthquake supply backpacks and a second backpack for their wife or kid. And I'm glad I did it. <laughs> that happened. The, the crew actually, everyone got those. Backpacks. Everyone got one or two. <laughs> And I don't regret it. Okay. So for the, for the show, if you're a crew guy with a show like Criminal Minds and they you're on it. year a million, you, you kind of want a bike. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. But I think, listen, listen, we did bikes. We, we did bikes one year. Okay, good. I think they all showed up on eBay. That's why I was like, oh. we're giving them. Hey, I don't blame them. Listen, okay. I, right. if, I had the, if I had the balls, I would. I think I still have a, a crew gift from friends. I, I used to have a friend's bike. Or I had a friend's cool. bike because they did, they did bikes. Um, well, because an ex-girlfriend was an executive in charge of that show. Ooh, so la, la, la. We, we, had lots of, we had lots of friends swag. Well, I had a they got, friends they got hoodie paid from a London. lot more. Yeah, they got paid a lot more, but I we had a friend's bike. Oh god, that was a million wow. years ago. That's nice. Yeah, one million years ago. Hey, hey, here's some quasi good news. Speaking of voiceovers, I don't know if I'll include this in this show or not, but um, Amit and I did sell two animated shows on our own. Are you serious? One to Nickelodeon and one to another entity. I won't talk about right now but yeah but that is coming down the pike we, oh my god oh yeah we were congratulations busy be- thank you we were busy beavers during the um during the pandemic and we wrote two really great scripts that i'm really proud of oh, and um good so for you now that i know that i only have to look no further than my friend paget brewster to do I'm some in. kick-ass I'm in. voiceover work yeah one one uh i'm super psyched about um it's called warp drive that's all i'm gonna say um, Please allow me to audition for Warp Drive. Um, God, I wish I could. I wish I could pitch it to you, but I'll. I'll don't send worry you about a, it. I'll send you a note. Yeah, but I, I don't want to. But nope, we'll, we'll go through official channels. <laughs> oh, no, will, no official channels. We we go direct. We because you know management and agents they are creative stoppers. The only way to get shit done in Hollywood is to reach out directly to people. I agree with that. To to a large extent, and that's why I actually reach out to people by myself. Mm. But uh, you also, it is your responsibility as some. If you are, if you have a manager or an agent, you have to say to the as I have, you have to say you need to send me everything that comes to you that specifically asks for me, whether you like it or not, and I will accept or pass, or I will hear about it because I still talk to everyone i ever worked with and i'm gonna find out if you didn't send it to me okay young people listening to this podcast 
Paget Brewster just dropped some knowledge on you. That is an incredible piece of advice. Tell your reps to send everything that comes your way. That is really kick yeah. ass. We wrote this. Uh, uh, we wrote a third script called "The Go Go Save the Planet," and it's literally the Go Go's, but they're super agents for the government. So they rock at night, but oh, they God. also. Uh, you know, they fight supervillains and monsters, yeah. and each go-go has a superpower. Um, we are almost certain that that script just died on some executive's table, oh. rather than going to Belinda or Jane or or Charlotte uh, or, or Kathy Valentine or Gina Shock. But we're really proud of it, and, you know, that's the whole game. How do you get it to the people who need to read it? But I love that I love that piece of advice and everyone listening should follow that as well. Okay. <laughs> I am so glad that I have you here today because we're doing something a little bit different on the Brando cast when I reached out to the the number one, the most listened to uh Brando cast guest of all time to say what do you want to talk about today? Paget threw at me something that I would call Paget Brewster's happy hour mix. It is a collection of songs that I hope all of you will write down and put on a little playlist for your for yourself. And when you're walking the dog, you will listen to the following songs that were curated by my guest today. So, without further ado, the first song up on Paget Brewster's Happy Hour Mix. It's Duran Duran, and it's Hungry Like the Wolf. Tell me, Padgett, Okay. what does this song mean to you? Okay. When you think of your favorite songs, what are the songs that mean something really profound to you? And you have to narrow it down to five or six. I think to some extent you go back to the same thing. If someone said, uh, you're about to be executed, what's your last meal? You go to something from your childhood. So Hungry Like the Wolf, I think I first heard when I was 14. I don't know what year it came out. Uh, my parents were teachers. They didn't make a lot of money. They got <laughs> not suckered, isn't the right word. Somehow, they ended up getting a timeshare in Antigua, which is in the Caribbean. <laughs> and and it listed. It was great as a kid. We didn't know they got ripped off. We didn't know they would then have to sell this timeshare. Uh, but they wanted to, to give us an international experience, and they so uh, we went to Antigua, and there was a scuba instructor, and I'm ha, ha, we got to we learned how to scuba, and his name was Bert, and he was 36 or 37, Uh-oh. and he was this German guy who had been the camera operator for Duran Duran. He record he shot all the stuff for Rio and Hungry Like the Wolf and that, that all of those videos. And he, when we left the island, he kissed me on the mouth. Uh-oh. Like a, like a, not in a pervy way, though. He just did. He kissed me on the mouth like a, like a German uncle. And if it was pervy, it was, you know, I don't have, I don't, I wasn't damaged. But he gave me mono. <gasps> and we returned to the United States feeling very international from this timeshare in Antigua, where we also scuba dived, dove. And I had mono for two weeks, but he had given me, he had told me all about Duran Duran and I was a little fan and he had given me a Duran Duran magazine. Maybe he, maybe he was, maybe he was trying, but I don't know. I didn't get the impression he was a pervert, but he, but I was so excited that I had met someone who had worked with Duran Duran. It was all I listened to. I love, I lo- I was obsessed with Duran Duran and I loved uh, Nick the most. Uh, that is so fantastic because back then it was for most ladies it was either Simon or no. John. No, <laughs> most, no. <laughs> you went Nick. <laughs> which, yeah. Was he keyboards or bass? No, now no, I can't no. remember. Nick, Nick is keyboards. John keyboards, Taylor yeah. plays bass, uh, but Nick was keyboards. Nick always had a little funkier look than everybody else. I loved it. I lo- and didn't he marry the woman who co-created Juicy? Jeans, God. juicy couture. I don't know. Maybe. I think possibly. he is. I think he is rich, bitch, like two times over. <laughs> From vinyl and his wife. I have so much to say. First of all, say it. Bert, a scuba instructor in Antigua mm-hmm. who worked with Duran Duran, uses I'm that coming. angle on every hot teenage girl that comes his way. 14. 
I was 14. <laughs> also, also, I'm pretty sure I had shaved one eyebrow entirely off by mistake. And I also did. Okay. T- unfortunately, I did get the bends. Oh. I did actually. Uh, <laughs> I thought I touched a moray eel and I <laughs> shot up to the surface. And here's what happens when you get, it's just like epidural. It, it's, you can get the bends where your lungs don't explode, but you have had, you have so much oxygen in your body without breathing out enough. The bends is when you don't breathe out all the ox- compressed oxygen mm-hmm. you breathed in underwater. I shot straight to the surface, just blowing oxygen. But when I got to the top, I also had a flat top. I mean, I was not an attractive 14 year old. That's why I don't, I don't think he was trying anything. One eyebrow flat top. And then I was covered in bubbles. Mm. Like you, your skin is, has oxygen bubbles underneath it. So I was like a reptilian one eyebrowed. <laughs> he probably kissed me on the mouth. Cause he felt bad that a, I would never be kissed and B he, I got the bends on his watch. I, I, you know, okay, look, I, I, the, it, it is established that you are one of the very attractive people out there in the world. That is established. I was attractive for okay. a while. I have, okay. I'm on the other side of the bell curve. I didn't fair, realize fair. I was pretty. I, I used to be pretty. I didn't get it at the time. Now I, now I'm overweight and I, and gray hair and I, the, but the, 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 the fact that construction the fact, workers don't whistle at me. But the fact that you have a nerd's soul, that's what makes you such a powerful fucking hero. That's that's the deal. You have you have a you have <laughs> that's 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 why you're you're awesome. But I guarantee you, Bert, 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 Bert just did everything by rote back there. There's zero question in my mind that a German working in Antigua scuba, scuba dive, I mean, come Antigua. on, sleeping yeah, with every yeah. lonely housewife who's who's husband. You know what? Is, and I mean, she, come he, on. He, he probably, besides the, giving giving everyone mononucleosis, he probably was providing a, a wonderful service. <laughs> all those guys, a sturdy all, German. Yeah, they roam the earth and they set up in resort areas where they can just do their thing and end up on Ninety Day Fiance. You know, oh, I love that show. Oh, I love that show. <laughs> the woman that, from Michigan in her mid fifties, oh, you know, brings Bert to America at thirty six. Poor woman with her Dominican. She she was gonna marry one one guy, and now she's gonna marry his cousin that oh, she slept with. Disaster! If people don't, oh. I people I should stay away from Ninety Day Fiance. Don't. Uh, <laughs> you should watch it. Everyone should watch it. Everyone should watch. It's it's right now they're doing the after the 90 days every every American man on that show that gets the the wife from Brazil or uh, Russia every American man on that show stormed the Capitol on January 6th true or false false they were too busy with their now needy new wives the guy from georgia come on that guy stormed the that guy hit a cop with a flagpole come on the guy from georgia the the big giant guy and he he had the the russian lady with the curly blonde hair and he sent her home because he because when she got to his house she's like you're not an american you're just a white trash loser He's from Squeam, Washington State. <laughs> he lives in a town called Squeam. He's not from Georgia. Don't. That's Mike. I'm racist. Right, Mike. No, no hey. he's a white guy. You cannot like him with impunity. <laughs> they're, they're all, at least they're all Squeam. Trump voters. They're all Trump voters. Hey, here, speaking of mono. Uh, you know, the, the, you know the what famous, you know the famous squealing on "Hungry Like a Wolf." The the young woman going. Oh, wait, ah, can I? Ah, ah, that's my that's ah, my friend Claire. Are you kidding me? Because that is, I that was the sexiest thing I'd ever heard in my life. I was a virgin. I at that point, I think I'd been kissed twice by Lee Blazinski. <laughs> Her squealing. And then, that, you know, several songs by Prince around the same time were what I thought sex was. I was like, oh, my God, this is coming. I'm going to do this someday. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's my friend Claire Stansfield. God, she's uh, fantastic. She is uh, the, uh, one of the C's in CNC, California. Remember those shirts that oh. hit, hit the world like a fucking freight train many, many years ago? 
No. Late 90s, early 2000s, CNC California, where they were like fluorescent shirts that women wore. It was a huge thing. She wore that. Oh, I was still in a goth phase then. Okay. She was uh, She was also on Xena, a warrior princess, uh, one of the recurring characters, and she dated Amit. Um, I feel like I'm going to faint because your friend awakened the sexual dynamo <laughs> that many, many years later I became. Ugh. It is true, though. Claire dated Simon LeBon for a few years during the heyday. Wow. And she found out that he broke up with her via the tabloids. Oh, dear. Well, you know, <laughs> you, you play with fire, you're going to get burned. <laughs> you, you play with fire and you're going to get burned. Okay. Speaking of fire and cooking with fire, how about that for yeah. a segue? The next song on Paget Brewster's Happy Hour Mix. God damn it. Do I miss this motherfucker? It's the theme song from Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown show. <sighs> I took a walk through this beautiful world Felt the cool rain on my shoulder Guitar, 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 guitar <laughs> Okay, oh. did, did you love Parts Unknown? I I loved No Reservations, I loved Parts Unknown I loved Anthony Bourdain, I never met him I never saw him in person I ne- But that I I loved how much he loved rock and roll, and he had his friends Josh Hom Hom or Hom Hommy. It's um in French Josh Hommy like Hommy Mommy Oh it's Hommy it's pronounced it's, Hommy It's Josh Hommy because mm-hmm. he was on Parts Unknown Yes when Bourdain did a desert uh, the Palm Desert or something and then uh, what's the other co-writer Jake Jake um, I think Mark Lanigan of the Screaming Mark Trees Mark Lanigan Yes Yeah mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, of Scream! Are you serious? It was yeah. the guy from Queens and the guy from Screaming Trees. Yes, man, that's just beautiful. I mean, that's just, and you know how happy he was. And I'm pretty sure Bourdain was smart enough. I think his voice is in that theme song, so that he gets a mechanical royalty every. Well, no longer, but his daughter does. Got a mechanical royalty every time the song is played, which right. is where a lot of money in TV was. That's why Frazier sang his own theme song, because the people on Gilligan, the people who wrote the Gilligan's Island theme song made more money than the entire cast combined <laughs> on Gilligan's Island. So theme songs are a huge generator of income. And I, I'm pretty sure Anthony Bourdain is singing on that song. Amit and I worked incredibly hard on the theme song for Warp Drive, which is a sci-fi extravaganza. And uh, our our friend Jason Nesmith, Mike Nesmith's son from the Monkees. I know that name. Yeah. Uh, Jason does the the music. And uh, what we did, a we won a Gilligan-style theme song that people will remember and sing. It also sets up the show so that you don't have to do much exposition. You just fucking go. Perfect. That's the perfect theme song. That's why yeah. Gilligan's Island was so successful. What other off just off the top of your head? And because I, yeah. I want to ask you about Anthony Bourdain because I miss him so much. But off the top of yeah. your head, what are some other uh, amazing TV theme songs? Uh, Golden Girls is is <laughs> forever and a beautiful song and catchy mm-hmm. and. It tells you what you're about to see, which was also revolutionary. You couldn't have a sitcom with, I mean, you just, Golden Girls was so ahead of its time, and it's a beautiful theme song. Um, I like all the music from Top Chef, and I think about it all the time. At night, while I'm dreaming, I hear the sting <laughs> when someone's in trouble. Um, dun, 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 dun. It's, it's just like interstitial music that I'm sure they paid very little money for. It's not like a sing-songy theme song, but I do appreciate that Frazier sang his own Frazier theme song. Cheers. I can sing the Cheers theme song all day. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. everyone can. Yes. Um, what do you think? Well, I mean, for me, the monkeys just hits me to the the core of my soul of yeah. my soul. I think the Dukes of Hazard theme song by Waylon Jennings is incredible, but we had no idea uh, on one forty years ago <laughs> that here's this show sort of celebrating the Rebel well, South. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had no, the fucking General E. Lee car. As a kid, I had no idea. Wow. Yeah. Of no, course. I mean, what if you're if you're shown something as a kid and you're also not being taught? 
taught <laughs> a lot of the things we should have fucking been taught. Yeah. You didn't, we didn't know. We didn't know. And, In the and, 70s, and I, we I, did not know. I will nope. say, I'm glad that we know a fuck of a lot more now because it's about time. And I get that. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, we, we needed, I needed, I needed to learn a lot of shit I didn't know. Yeah. And I'm not trying to blame my teachers, my parents being teachers, my, pa- but it's a different world. In a, in in bad ways and good ways, but I think we will all take great things from this really shitty time. Yeah, and become better. It's a big reset, but we didn't know in the seventies. We those of us who who went to school in the in elementary school in the seventies, we had no fucking no idea. Clue. Okay, tell me about. Do you love Anthony Bourdain? Did you love yes. him? Yes, and here's this like weird. So yes, I never met him. I never, I never saw him in person. My friend Joe Montagna went to Anthony Bourdain's. Like he did, he did like a speaking engagement, and Joe went backstage afterwards and met him and was crazy about him. And Joe and I would talk about, you know, this Bourdain show and this Bourdain. You got to see this one. You got to see. And I think it was June two thousand eighteen. I think Anthony Bourdain d- died in June. It might have been two thousand seven. I think it was two thousand eighteen. And I woke up late that day. And I walked uh, out of the bedroom and my husband was sitting on the couch and he looked at me like he was scared. And he said, your friend died. Oh, no. And I went, what? Who? And he said, Anthony Bourdain. And my immediate response was, oh, well, you know, he's talked about suicide a lot in his books. And, you know, he's a dark guy and, you know, he used to be a junkie. So, you know, that's not a surprise. And then wept for four days. Yeah. Like, couldn't watch his shows for a year. This is a person I do not know who I consider my friend. Yeah. And my husband knew that I would have a complete meltdown. And at the time, I went through the first stage of grief for someone in your family where you're like, denial. Oh, you know, yeah, no, uh, that's that's not so bad. He like. Not he didn't die. I was like, yeah, he died. Okay, well, you know, that's all right. But the whole thing is so fascinating and 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 upsetting. And I've thought about it a lot. And I watch everything. Right now, I just finished Eric Repair's book, 32 Yokes. Yep. I've read all of the Bourdain books, the fiction and the nonfiction. And I've started, I've watched parts unknown and no reservations and, uh, uh, you know, the, even the, the, the travel overnight thing, I, I've trying to been holding on to that, but watching the repair and Bourdain shows. Well, what I think about is when he committed suicide, mm-hmm. it was in France with Eric repair, Eric repair, apparently supposedly found Anthony Bourdain and called the hotel. They were supposed to meet for breakfast and he didn't show up. And that was not like him. And he got the hotel management and they went in and repair found him. And on the one hand, you think, how could you do that to your best friend? How could you put someone you love in that position? But I think there is a thing, uh, called, um, suicide psychosis where people who start to feel suicidal make a peace with it. Mm-hmm. And they sometimes three days to, to six days before they do it, they start thinking everything that happens, everything they see, if they spill their coffee, if they miss a bus, they think, oh, well, this is yet again proof that it's time for me to go. Mm-hmm. And they start making uh, declarations of love. They start saying goodbye in different ways. They start giving away objects they care about. And I think... Not no, obviously not knowing either one of them. I think part of Bourdain's, if he had suicide psychosis, and I have to assume it was psychosis because he had a child and people who loved him and friends and 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 a successful career. I think he reached a point where it just chemically something was wrong, mm-hmm. and he kept thinking, "Oh, it's time for me to go." Right. And he'd always talked about suicide. He'd always talked about, I'm going to hang myself in the bathroom. He said it on five shows. I think what he thought was, in France, Eric, a Buddhist who loves everyone, he will know how to handle this, and it's going to happen. And everything's telling me that it's time for me to go. And if he if he had a non-psychotic moment, he would have thought, I don't want to do this to my daughter to my ex-wives, to my family, to my friends, to my brother, to Eric, to my crew. And I think that's the scariest thing about suicide. 
And people who are suicidal is they start thinking that their decision is the most rational thing. Yeah. And and that's why I think everyone has to be aware of someone uh, making those statements and having moments of complete calm, like an unnatural calm for days. That can be a sign that that they have decided it's time to go. Well, I will say this, that I have sat. You know, I've been in Al-Anon for a million years, and the number of people that have suicide as an out is far greater than people realize. The The number of people who have thought to themselves, well, I can always commit suicide if things truly don't work out for me, is that they just keep that in their wallet. I mean, wow. the, numbers, the numbers are really big. I know so many people who have... I can say this without, uh, you know, I'm not going to say who, but I can just say this, that I've heard that so many times that when, you know, for people who generally look at their lives as cursed or they live a life that things generally don't work out for them, they have that in their back pocket. And And that's their ace. And it would be like, well, I can always do this. I can always do this. I just have that get out of jail card in my wallet. And, And it's, I think that his death was in a way important because it it shone a light on that because everyone thought holy christ this why guy would he, why this guy had everything why had, would he and this guy was kind of walking the rest of us through life he was showing us how to live he was showing us how to travel he was showing us how to eat he was showing us how to like communicate with people yeah. he he just seemed to be joyous yeah he was dark and he was an ex junkie and and all that business but that I think it really it was a it was a shock to me. Look, all of my heroes have been junkies, all of them. John Lennon, Lenny Bruce, Anthony Bourdain. It, it's it's but it's I'm not I'm not surprised by it anymore because I've heard it in twelve step rooms, uh, way too much. Do you know wow. what I mean? I, I, no, I'm glad that you're telling me this because I have not ever been a part of a program or uh, Al-Anon or there's Narcanon, right? For there are many Anons. Yeah, I have not heard that, but I'm not surprised. And yeah. that's and you're right though, I think. The fact that he that he did it, I think may have brought an awareness. Yeah. That was nece- that is still very necessary. Have you been watching the Stanley Tucci show? Oh yeah. It, it, it there's a void. He has left a, a void in the yes. world. Uh, and Stanley the- Tucci is doing his best individually, 100%. as close to himself as possible, yep. to fill that void. But there, that void will never be filled because the thing about Bourdain that was so magical and and desirable was he judged other people, but loved them. In the, in and he judged himself. Judgmental people always. They hate themselves first, and then they see the thing about someone else that they want to be like, oh, come on, you can't be happy that you're doing this. But he was saying the thing with love that the audience couldn't say, and there are very few people who can do that. And I don't know. Stanley Tucci is doing a great show in a different way, but I don't know when there will ever be someone who is so vulnerable. And when he's angry, he's clearly angry. When he wants something, he fucking wants it. And I think he probably could be a real despot, like a really, I bet he could be a nasty boss sometimes. And he said that. And so there, here was this vulnerable, fragile person who gave their soul to show other people this is this country this is what i care about i need martial arts i gave up junk i love my wife i'm now i we're you know divorced and this is where i am now and like he was so open and damaged and flawed and said it and and i don't i don't see anyone Am I shouting? No, not at all. Not at all. I I agree with you a million percent. The other thing that I want to say is that I I have this theory about charisma. You know, we live in a city that is populated by lots of fucking charismatic people. They've come here to capitalize and monetize their charisma. I truly believe that charisma is forged in fire and pain and a childhood in turmoil and pain. You know, because you need you need 
the world to see that you're struggling or you need the world to throw you a lifeline or you need someone to reach out and, and, and pull you out of the fire that you're in. And charisma often helps people do that. Uh, it's something that people develop. And I, I've thought for so long that Anthony Bourdain was one of the most charismatic people I've ever seen. Like I wanted to be him, you know, for real. Yeah. Like I, I wanted to go, okay, what, 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 how, what do I need to do to be that guy? Yeah, that guy but- that guy is living the life that I think I want to live. You know what I mean? But I truly believe that like, you know, the demons that uh that possessed him when he was young or the the fire that he grew up in, you know, for some people they can never shake that, you know? But that's what made him so great. Yeah. And I yeah. think I think I'm afraid I'm going to have to disagree with you when you say we live in Los Angeles where a lot of people have charisma. I don't think a lot of people have charisma. I think nice. a lot of people have youth or beauty mm-hmm. or ambition that is a whole that will mm. never be filled and they will do anything to be famous and successful or rich or pretty or young or people will disfigure themselves too. And I've had shit done. I've had injections. I had a neck suck. I'm not immune to vanity and the desire to be a, tra- I mean, well now I am now I just fuck it. I'm just going to do cartoon voices. Fuck it. <laughs> but I understand. I think there is very little charisma. I think mm. there is very little character forged from fire. And I think it's usually not the beautiful people. I think it's usually comedians and writers and people willing to take a risk and be vulnerable. And I, I think there is very little charisma in Hollywood. And you know what? Who ha- you know who has it? You fucking have it. You're <laughs> saying you're 21 pounds overweight, but you, what shines through about you is you are your own fucking man. And I would be happy to see you in Beechwood Canyon if I hiked. <laughs> because you, with your fucking mutton chops... You look a little bit like a porn star, but it works for you. Ron you Jeremy's brother, uh, Ron Jeremy's brother Peter. Listen, <laughs> I I have watched some Ron Jeremy material, and I know he's in trouble now. But before I knew all the things that were wrong with the world, he shook a lady's bottom like they were fluffy pillows <laughs> in something oh. I saw, and I'm happy I was able to tell him in person. You gave me an image that I appreciate. Okay, thank you. Uh, you are listening to Paget and Brendan Figure It Out. It's a brand new podcast. It's available on Earwolf and everywhere else that you get your podcast. We took a turn down a dark alley, Paget, but we're about Wait, to Ron turn. Jeremy? No, or no, no, suicide. Just you know, no. It's uh, how do you make the segment? There's a famous. There's a famous segment of Casey Kasem having a meltdown oh, on air. Yeah. Because he has to transition from the little girl lost her puppy. Yeah, I got to talk about a fucking dog dying. (laughs) Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's come start again. From coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. See, when you come out of those up-tempo goddamn numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions. And then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but goddamn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. This a god last goddamn time. I want somebody use his fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is uh, that, that's up tempo. And I got to talk about a fucking dog going dying. to an up tempo pop song. I've heard that's, that recording. It's so great. That's what we did. However, let's go. Let's turn down a, another dark corner. Oh, it's it's a god. We're, we're you were gonna, no. I thought you were going to end this whole show. No, hell no. I thought no. you were like, I'm out. I no, can't. no, 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 because we're going to Medusa's in Chicago. It's a it's an under 21 club. All they do is play goth music, and because we're going to hear. Oh, do it. Bella Lugosi's dead. 
by Bauhaus. Why are you laughing? It's a great song. Cut I, it out. I, I know. Under 21 goths are brilliant. Oh, Medusa's in Chicago. I don't know if you know that club, but holy Christ, was that an oh. important place. Tell me, just tell me, I just, just, just tell me about Paget Brewster's love of Bella Lugosi's dead. Okay. Again, when you talk about things that you saw, when you, what are the most important songs to you? When you were young and there was something like your friend moaning on Hungry Like the Wolf, <laughs> Bauhaus does the uh, uh, Peter Murphy and the, the, the it, it's actually the opening song to a movie called The Hunger, which I think was 19, I want to say 1981. That can't be right. Was it 84? I should have done my due diligence and looked it up. Catherine Deneuve, David Bowie. It's a movie about vampires. And the opening song is Bauhaus performing the song Bella Lugosi's Dead. But it's mixed in with the soundtrack of this gorgeous vampire couple in the mid-80s going to a club and finding victims. So it's Peter Murphy, like all spidery and hot with short blonde hair. And it's very goth. And I was totally into that then. And my best friend was um, was this young gay guy named Stephen. And we were at Parsons School of Design summer program when he showed me he showed me the hunger. And that's the first time I heard that song. And I it's just it's such a part of my youth. And my 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 friend Stephen and I would just we were so goth. We would just watch The Hunger over and over again and talk about how beautiful Catherine Deneuve, like in my mind, again, that was like, this is what you should be as a woman. Catherine <laughs> Impossible. This is what you should be as an artist and, uh, um, you know, everything. Cause we were in art school. So it was like, well, you know, how are you living like an artist? And I was like, I want to be Catherine Deneuve. Um, I want to fall asleep in a full 19th, 30s tailored Lillian brown nub silk suit and like sit up to meet the police the cops not the band yes like, yes yes uh, <laughs> and it was so such an I was so impressionable and it was I, I don't know I still I find that song so sexy so mm-hmm. sexy I I want to and I've talked to a friend of mine this actor Matthew Gray Goobler who's a, uh, also on Criminal Minds we have talked about recording that song where all I have to do is learn the bass line, which is bong, bong, bong. That's all you have to do. I can do three notes on a bass and sing Bella Lugosi's Dead and release it on Apple and not get any money. We have talked about that for seven years. Please do it. Please, 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 please do it. Now, I know now because of our last discussion on this on this podcast, I know that you did. You did a couple bands back in the day, correct? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I know it's it's silly to ever look back and think, what if, what if, what if? I, I think that the whole the secret of life is just don't do that. However, do you ever think like, what would have happened had like I really stuck with the music thing? No, never. No, because never, never. Okay. I only, and, and I apologize to all of my bandmates, Wayne and <laughs> um, Peter, Christo, I, I, I'm really sorry, Dave Vogt. I only wanted to be in a band because I had seen The Hunger and I wanted to be David Bowie. I mm. thought, oh, if I play in a band and they get really big, then I can be in Dune and The Hunger and I can be Cher or sting. So I really, I'm glad that I played in bands and I, it's not like I didn't dedicate all of my time to it, but I had an ulterior motive. Gotcha. And I was too chicken to actually go to acting school and try my ace in the sleeve from 17 to 25 was not suicide. It was, I'll finally try to act. Listen, I just want to live my life before I before I fuck everything up by trying to. And the crazy fucking thing is I started doing a talk show and I was a talk show host in San Francisco. And then I got an agent and then I moved to L.A. and then I started acting and I was really fucking lucky. I also didn't know I was cute. Mm-hmm. I was so cute. Oh, my thus God. Friends. Thus, thus oh, friends. I was so cute. Correct. Ah. Uh, I got friends. Yeah, that was my yeah. yeah that was my mm-hmm. second job in LA. My first job was a pilot with Dana Gould. What was that so, pilot? 
It was called World on a String, and it was Dana Gould, and I played his I played his will they won't they neighbor who was a sassy. <laughs> I wore Adidas, and I was a Marilyn Monroe impersonator, and uh, it, it was you know what I've always said what what I said to Dana, uh, and I've known Dana. I mean I've known Dana the whole time I've uh, since ninety six ninety seven. Dana was way too young Mm -hmm. to be as smart and angry as he was. Yeah. He was always a 49 year old man. Right. (laughs) When he was 30. Right. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Understood. It was a confusing. And I, I, you know, I love you've seen his show, the Dr. Z. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's. Yeah, Rob Cohen called me and said I was going to yeah. possibly work on that. So fuck you, Rob Cohen. Oh, you never called no. me back. Well, what happened with that? Yeah, Rob is on this po- podcast as well. You should listen, listen to that. Rob, you have to you have to really ride Rob. Rob is a, <laughs> Rob is a hermit. Rob was a hermit before co- COVID. Is the best thing that ever happened to Rob Cohen. That's hilarious. <laughs> he just wants to stay home and look at his. Harrison Ford in carbonite sculpture that has his face on it. <laughs> Rob Cohen is brilliant, but you have to, you have to like poke him. Oh my God. Hey, do you know that Bauhaus was supposed to play last May here in Los no. Angeles? Yeah. There was going to be a big, not to switch gears. So, so no, quickly, please do. But, what? but, but I've been thinking about this the whole time. They were supposed, there was going to be a big giant new wave festival Downtown, I think in the L.A. Historic Park, uh, it was going to feature a whole slew of incredible classic vintage oh, new wave bands. Bauhaus was one of them. I think Morrissey Jeez. was on that bill. I think it was like Berlin and, uh, oh, my God. Uh, I'm, Please I'm say drawing Flock a blank. of Seagulls. Flock of yeah, Seagulls? All, all those bands. Oh, I love uh, them. F- Psychedelic Furs were on that yes, bill. Yes, the Peepers. E- Echo, Echo and the Bunnymen was on that bill. But Bauhaus was going to do the whole wow. thing. And uh, so we were denied that. It was because COVID. Yeah, it was going to be oh, last, last well, like May sixth. It will happen. It will happen. I think it will happen. I think we will. I think we will return. I am very hopeful. And listen, we're going to have to get vaccinations, and we're going to have to get booster shots. Yeah. For probably from here on out. Yeah. And that's. I'm not trying to speak about this lightly. I know people have died, and it's a horrible thing. But. Out, we as a species have overpopulated the earth. I'm not saying it's good there was a disease. I'm saying because we have tipped the balance of our planet, there will be more diseases. Yeah. And because we've fucked up the climate, we've fucked up the permafrost, it's full of 250 billion tons of carbon something bad dioxide. Mon- I, I, don't, I don't even want to read it. We <laughs> will have a lot of problems yeah and we're gonna have to be more aware and we're gonna have to but i think we will reach a point where we can be together in public and we can you know i i don't need listen there's a lot of hugging i've done in hollywood that i never need to fucking do again if i just met you and you're a director i don't need to fucking hug you (laughs) i don't even need to shake your hand just tell me where to stand and let's go like let's start shooting I hugged you, and I hugged Amit, and I hug my friends. I hug people I care about. I don't need to. I don't need to hug a stranger at a general meeting at Fox ever again. <laughs> I don't fucking need it. So there are some things that are I'm happy about. Okay, listen to this. Listen to these tips, young actors. Listen, listen to these. You tips. don't have to hug anybody. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to hug anybody. And tell your reps that you want to see everything that comes to their desk with your name on it. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's you play. Have to take control. <laughs> let's play one last song, and then I'm gonna let Patrick go. One last song. This is on the Bandit Brewster. Oh, this is fascinating. It is. It is Gopher Mamba by Ema Sumac. Oh my goodness gracious! No explanation why Gopher is part of the title. Do you know? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what year is it? What year? I don't even know. It, it had to be. 
You know what? I was too lazy to do that. I've heard that song for me so too. long, but uh, I do have a computer in front of me that could okay. possibly so, look okay. it up. So you as you talk, okay. I will look it All up. Right. Yes. Okay. So Ema Sumac. I know of Ema Sumac because after my goth phase, when I was in Los Angeles, I started to become a pinup photographer. So I was very into uh, Tropicali and Viva Las Vegas and Louis Prima and all of the like 40s, 50s. Ema Sumac was on a compilation from Rhino Records of... Um, like tropical music. And now she was a Colatura soprano and she could do, and then she could do a, I can't even do it. She would, she could do a high C. She could do the note that shatters glass. Did you find a year? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still furiously okay, looking. Okay. Wait, okay, wait, keep going. Apparently. And I'm not sure if this is true. Supposedly Ema Sumac she said she was a princess from, oh, I can't remember where. Uh, Ancient Egypt? <laughs> no, it was no, it was a very specific place, Montenegro. I okay. believe she said she was a princess from Montenegro, which as far as we know had no royalty structure. But she was actually, the rumor is, I don't know if it's true, the rumor is she was from Cleveland. And her name, <laughs> wait! <laughs> Her name was not Ema Sumac. Her name was Amy Camus. And she's just from Philadelphia. Or she was just like an American chick who was like, how do I make it in Hollywood? I have an accent. I dye my hair black. I wear flowers. She can sing like a motherfucker. You can't take that away from her. That's charisma. If she actually faked being royal from a tiny country or area that no one in America knew about. Again, schooling, American schooling has for a long time been very, uh, like a small line of what they're teaching. She claimed to be royalty and got a record deal. Well, there was no Google back then. No. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> so... No, there wasn't even the police state to state didn't talk to each other. Nobody could even catch serial killers until what? 2006. How did I we mean... exist? It, it, 1954. That's the year that that hmm. song came out. 1954. Go for mom. <laughs> Her voice in this song. And it is like a, it is a shake your titty song. Ooh. <laughs> you know you put that song you can vac you play that song you can vacuum every room you can wipe away cobwebs and do your nails and shake your tits and enjoy life Paget Brewster fans were just denied the visual of seeing Paget Brewster basically performing Go for Mamba by Ema Sumac. <laughs> Here's the other thing. This is my, because I'm still drinking. You probably stopped, you oh, no. bastard. Well, I, I finished, um, I finished my, my, my pint of vodka. I'm done. It was mostly lemonade. You're too responsible. This is my, um, this is what I've been wearing. Now, I really dedicated myself to the black velour zip-up hoodie Understood. about three months ago, mm-hmm. and I call myself Babs De Niro. <laughs> Wait, because Babs De Niro? That's, yeah. your, that's your alter ego? My alter ego during the pandemic is Babs De Niro. I love uh. velour, a velour tracksuit. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Do you know what, Paget? We're done. <laughs> we, we, we we are done with the Brando cast today. I've kept I really you... hope you got what you wanted. Oh. <laughs> we didn't even talk about the Bachelorette, the Bachelor Bachelorette. We didn't even talk yeah. about it at all. We don't we don't care because I'm out. I'm out. We I, can talk this... about it another time. We we will talk about it another time. God damn it, Paget! All you did was crush it today. Aww. There's a reason that you're number one. There's a reason that you're the most listened to. Brando cast. We'll see what happens with this one. But God damn it, all you do is fucking crush it. Oh, you're a sweetheart and you look <laughs> yummy. <laughs> I haven't flirted in a year. God, you're uh, too, 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 too fat to accept. 
Um, no, 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 you're wrong. (laughs) All right, go away. Well, well, thank you. I'm going to make dinner. Okay, thank you, (laughs) thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And to the rest of you, thank you so much for listening, liking, subscribing. We're growing exponentially. So many great guests coming down the pike, but who's better than Padgett Brewster? I mean, come on. What do we have to say about that? And, of course, as always, the BrandoCast is produced by Mr. Richard Sheltinga. So until the next time, cats and kittens, I will play us out with the last song from the Paget Brewster Happy Hour Mix. And that is In These Shoes by Christy oh. fucking McCall. McCall. Bye-bye. I once met a man with a sense of adventure. He was dressed to thrill. 